everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another Kickstarter Spotlight episode, and today we're going to be talking about a campaign called Future Girl. Uh, I got a chance to check it out. It's a really fun uh, time travel story, uh, certainly suitable for all ages. And I have the uh, creator joining me today to talk a little bit about the campaign and the story, uh, Patrick Lewandowski. I hope I pronounced that right. I should have asked you. <laughs> that was pretty close. It's 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 a very Polish name, so it's not, not it's actually... Well, some people say Lewandowski, some people say Lewandowski. I'm I'm of the latter category. With Lewandowski, Lewandowski, got it. It goes either way. Gotcha. Well, uh, Patrick, it's great to have you uh, on the show. Uh, I always have to start out by asking you before we dive into the campaign it, itself about you, kind of your love love for comics. Did you did you grow up reading them? Were they a part of your childhood? Give us sort of your your history with comics in general. Oh gosh, well. Um... Probably the first comics I read were the mini comics that came with my He-Man toys, um, which, you know, those are amazing. It was, it was some crazy talent that worked on those those comics back in the 80s. Uh, you know, you had Mark Texeria was the original artist on a lot of them. Um, and then uh, Paul Dini would, not Paul Dini, excuse me, Bruce Tim um, would work on later ones. So it was kind of, it was kind of a who's who if you go back and look at those but i also had an older brother who was uh reading comics back then and so he would be at college uh, he's like 13 years older than me and every time he'd come home for a visit he'd bring like a stack of comics with him and leave them for me and my dad and uh so that's and so the first the first comic i actually was ever like was mine that was bought for me uh by my brother was the original transformers series by marvel so i have all, all those original ones gotcha. uh, back in the 80s and then, yeah, I, I always was making my own comics and everything um, growing up and kind of doing things. And so I, I went and to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Uh, it was in their comic program. So that's where I got my bachelor's degree and met so many wonderful people. Um, and I've just been making comics my whole life wow, that's, and reading. That, yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Are there any, so because you were, they were handed out from your older brother, was it, was it his taste that you kind of had to, like whatever he was reading, you got, or were there particular heroes that you're like, man, I, I gravitated towards. I mean, I noticed you have an X-Men shirt on. So that's all yeah. I well, I, I think, you know, he was, the ones he'd bring for us were mostly the Marvel series. Cause that's what my dad liked. So he'd bring, and then, but like Spider-Man was always my favorite. Um, hands down. That was uh, my favorite. And, um, and so I'd read those and, my brother was really into the Avengers back in the eighties and nineties and stuff. And, but I went to the X-Men I really liked the X-Men then I had the, he, I also, cause of the Ninja Turtles back then, I got the original black and white Mirage series of Ninja Turtle comics, which, you know, like no one like was like, right. you know, like people are reading Ninja Turtles or watching it or whatever, but they get like the, the licensed version. Right. Archie. You know, she'd yeah. find like, yeah, the arch, you know, and the very, you know, but I was reading like the original black and white, like very cyberpunky oh, <laughs> Ninja yeah. Turtles as a kid, and very violent and all that. So that, yeah, so I, I mean, so for me, like Marvel and then the, you know, probably like Quantum and Woody, I remember him bringing that one. I mean, like this is, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was amazing, the original. And so that's a, a, that's how I discovered Christopher Priest and, um, fell in love with that and then then he went from that to black panther and you know and that's and i'm like oh and i just i just followed him along right that was about that time and eventually you know i, I started expanding uh you know i, I got i, I kind of discovered grant morrison through um through his justice league 
Yeah. And then, of course, when he went over to X-Men, I was really excited. I think, you know, just kind of follow things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people take that that path. You know, you start off following characters and then you find uh, storytellers who whose style really resonates with you. You know, their, their way they um, kind of explore themes and, and you know, it's, it's almost like they're speaking directly to you. And then, you yeah, you follow them from from hero to hero. It stops being as much about the characters and becomes a little more about about the creative teams. Uh, well, you, your character, it's interesting that you say one of your favorites being Spider-Man, because certainly uh, the future girl story, it, it kind of harkens back to a little more of the, the early days of Spider-Man in terms of, you know, a little more innocent time. It's definitely all ages. But the other thing is that you have very young characters, you know, that are uh, that end up having huge responsibility, uh, <laughs> like huge, huge responsibility, like saving the entire uh, universe, all of existence itself. So it's a really, uh, really cool story. And we don't want to get too spoilery because we want everybody to, to join the campaign and uh, and read it for themselves. But uh, give us the elevator pitch. Let, let everybody know what uh, what Future Girl is about. Um, it is a sci-fi adventure starring a, a teen girl and, a, and, a, um, and, and her friend Johnny, who is also a person of color. And they uh, have an adventure through time and space. It's kind of like Buffy meets Doctor Who by way of Scott McCloud's Zot. <laughs> That's a really good synopsis, actually. Um, yeah, it, and it, you know, the, the danger, of course, is always when you do a time travel story. Okay, there, well, are there really any stakes? Because you can just keep going back and, you know, changing things over and over and over. And you, you sort of uh, you address some of those common sort of tropes with with time travel and and why this matters. I mean, I mean, for me, the example I it's, always go, yeah. I always go to is uh, that second season of, I think it's the second season of Heroes, where it went completely off the rails, where the <laughs> the one the one guy the, I can't even remember, I think his name is actually Hero. Hero, I remember yeah. it's been forever, and he he comes and tells himself, "Don't open the safe, don't open the safe," and then he opens the safe, and everything goes. I'm like, just try and travel again and come back as a third time and tell yourself, really, here's what's in the safe. So let me satisfy your curiosity. Here's what's in the safe. Don't open it. You know, yeah. and at that point, that's just when I turned it off and I, st I stopped watching it. Uh, but you address some of those things. So talk a little bit about coming up with the rules of time travel and kind of how you solve some of those those problems. Sure. Well, I think inherently every time travel story, no matter what time travel story you're working with, there's a piece of it that is it's about telling you what the rules are. And, and these are what we this is what we believe the rules are, because if these are the rules, then it all makes sense how it all works. And then suddenly something happens that seems to break the rules. And it's not really that the rules are broken. It's that, that you had a misunderstanding of what the rules were in the first place. And it's about, and that's what it is. It's about solving that, learning what the rules actually are as opposed to what you think they are. So like, um, you know, in, in, like I think about like Connie Willis and all her time travel novels. Uh, she's a favorite writer of mine, especially to say nothing of the dog, right? It's, at the very beginning, it's like, these are the rules for time travel. You can't bring anything back, you know, that from, from there, because then there's you know, a whole paradox and everything. And, you know, that's the rule. It's been explained to us in that book. But uh, later on in the book, it turns out, well, the rule is you can't bring anything back that already, you know, exists and has always existed. But like they have a species in that book that is extinct in the future. And they're able to repopulate it because they're able to go and say, well, it doesn't, I'm, I can bring these these animals that we thought died because we thought they died in this thing, but we actually rescued them. We brought them back. And we were able to repopulate. So 
and you know, and I think it's the same like with with Back to the Future, right? We we think that the rule of, of time travel is, you know, he's got to get back. He's got to he's got to make these things happen. He's got the story. The rules are his mom and his dad meet this way, and this is the story of how they meet. That's that's the rule set, right? But the, the truth is, the rule set is that they have to be at this place at this time and this place at this time, and the other things are are not as hard and fast. So I. Um, and, and Doctor Who obviously uh, works a lot with that idea, you know, all the timey wimey wibbly wobbly stuff, right? Um, and it's not like a magic wand to get, all, uh, you know, get out of jail free card. You can't just like willy nilly rewrite the rules. You have to state them. You have to say, well, this is how we understand it, but you have to have that act of discovery in the story. Otherwise, then you are just breaking rules to break the rules. So yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. Is that you, you know you state the rules, and then if you do have to break them for for story reasons because always story first right and and you know character first and if you do kind of paint yourself in a corner um and you do have to break a rule that you have a good explanation for it i think the reader is willing to go along for that rather than just saying well i'm going to break the rule and not acknowledge it so and i think there's a difference between like if i if i as a writer have failed i the writer am breaking the rule if i'm the writer and i'm succeeding it's that the characters are in that act of discovery of the rule or not what the rule is not what they thought it is, or they they find a way to bend the rule. They find a way around it. So that's, that's the difference the, between that. You have to have the characters be the one to figure that out. In some ways yeah. you have to write people who are smarter than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, well, the, and the other part is like we said, these are, these are young, uh, young protagonists and they're kind of, well, it's it's really interesting what you do with Johnny. He gains a, a lot of wisdom at a at a very young age, you know, eventually, um, which is a really cool aspect of the story as well. But they are relatively. And, and young. I'll say, we, you know, for for ease of discussion, and because I think it is a selling point of the story, there is a time loop involved inside of the story at some point. And yeah, that's, I, you know, just 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 for the sake of your audience, I'm willing to say that, like, that's not, uh, you know, you come into it knowing that somewhere in there there is going to be some time looping. That's part of the rules. So go yeah. ahead and you can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and with them gaining this knowledge and with them um, in a way taking responsibility because they're sort of the cause of the, the time loop in the first place. I, you know, I wouldn't 100% lay the blame at their, at their feet because it was just, you know, a misunderstanding and, and things they weren't aware of. Um, but they definitely want to fix it. And so then you're in a situation where they really are taking a lot of responsibility and I think being very mature for their, their age and saying, hey, we have to find a way to, to fix it. The, the characters that you've come up with here, um, both Anna and Johnny, they're very sort of inherently empathetic. Um, was that purposeful? Like talk to us a little bit about coming up with uh, the character development and, and their personalities. So, I mean, I really was taking, I, I, you know, the, the two, I, I say Buffy and Doctor Who, but those really are like the two, the two main archetypes to work with here uh, in terms of, you know, having a, a female teenage girl as the lead, you know, from Buffy, who's who's not the damsel in distress, who's very action oriented and everything like that, right? So, but at the same time, Buffy worked because she wasn't just an action hero. She wasn't just Arnold Schwarzenegger as a teenage girl, right? She had that vulnerability. She had she had problems. You know, it's it's the Peter Parker, it's the it's the Kamala Khan, right? It's they've got real problems, and then they have to do these other things too. And it's it's so so for Anna, she's you know she's got. You know, she seems like she's this very adventure, happy-go-lucky person when 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 Johnny meets her, and that's the inciting incidents when they meet. I'm literally the second page, um, 
but you know just like a lot of people like we meet especially kids um there are you know and i, I say this uh as someone who's worked in education what you see at the of the kid at school or, or public or anything it's different than maybe what they are like at home or you know you know that person who's always seems very happy and adventurous and everything at you know at home they they're they're it's not a good home life right so i think there's a, that's part of that um you know, and as for Johnny, you know, it's weird, you know, like there's a lot of character development with Johnny, but, you know, Anna, we know, we kind of know her whole story by the end of it. Like we know, like, well, I should say, we know the whole first part of her story at the end of it. And weirdly for Johnny, because of the way time travel works, we know his whole second half of the story, but we don't actually, like the things we know about them are very different things. Like we know, we kind of learn about like where Anna came from, but we don't know anything about like Johnny at his home. We know at Anna's like at home, we don't know anything about Johnny at home. So it's, 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 they're very opposite in, in that respect. And part of the reason I think why, why Johnny feels, you know, he's very much like in Doctor Who, the companion, the, the point of view character to help us get into this weird world. Right. But after he, you know, he, he kind of goes through some things that, make him much harder to identify with i think by the end of the book than you know than um anna it's kind of like as johnny loses his anchoring in humanity anna gains it so they're kind of tag teaming on that because i and i think you know in terms of being uh relatable or anything there's a vulnerability to johnny because he gets a bit stranded he's a bit lonely we we never really see him interact with anyone on his own you know when we first meet him in the first page of the book he's walking down the street alone Right. So we don't we don't see him uh, in terms of any kind of social group ever, really. Yeah, and he's got outsider status and he's and that outsider status does actually continue, I mean, through the end of the book. And if, if you factor in the time loop, maybe then it starts to make a little more sense. Like if you're at the second time with the knowledge of what you have the first time you can read it again. And I think it, it changes how you interpret Johnny's story. Yeah. It, it, and it, he does have a, a, a unique character progression based on where he is as opposed to where Anna is. And it, yeah, it does make for a uh, pretty interesting reading. And then, and then Anna's origins, um, which, you know, obviously we won't spoil here, but uh, you, you chose to bring in um, something that maybe doesn't have enough uh, awareness or, or could use uh, some more awareness um, with what her origin is. And uh, I kind of like that as well, because it, it, I would say it was pretty unexpected, um, but it definitely, brought some realism to the story and, and gave like a touch point and made her a more like a character that you start to root for even more. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's something kind of interesting. Like I, I, I want to say to people that a lot of what you think, you know, in the first chapter changes like every chapter there's like, Oh, I thought, I thought it was this thing. And now it's actually another. And that, that's very true for Anna. Yeah. And, and I like when I, am uh, plugging things on Twitter and doing ads and stuff. You know, one of the things I say is Anna's a girl from the future or is she? And she falls on Johnny and that's how they meet or is it? And they're fighting a bad bot or is he a sad bot? And it's like, so it's like every time you think you kind of know what is driving a character, it, it kind of is the, it changes. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, and you mentioned that it's kind of the, the antagonist of the story, bad bot. Um, and even that, even then, like you don't realize that they are as bad as they are uh, when it first starts out. You you almost, you know, you 
you feel sympathy for them. You, you know, you've created a, a character, a villain here who you very much can understand their, their motivations and where they're coming from, but then they take it too far. It, but even when they do, you can still understand their motivations. And I think that makes for the most interesting type stories because there's still a relatability there. Yeah, well, so the bad bot, the reason it escaped to the past was because it was old technology and it, it's this AI, this robot was scheduled to be uh, basically recycled in the future. And, and it didn't want to do that. It, it had enough self-awareness that it wants to live. And so it thought that if it could put its programming and hide it into the internet of now, that by the time it's per by the time it reaches the future, the program would have enough time to grow and it change and evolve. They would fit into a new body, and so that's so Anna's job when, when they first when we first meet Anna is just to haul this piece of junk back to the future <laughs> to be recycled, and it's like all I want to do is live. And she's like, okay, I I guess I can understand that. Yeah, right? I mean that's so I, you know it's like oh well who doesn't just want to live and here's a way to do it. All right, fine. Well put your AI in the, you know, and I will recycle the husk and, you know, you'll find a new body or whatever. And we go on and, and of course, because it's time travel and there's, you know, thousands upon thousands of years between the future and now they, they just kind of keep meeting at different points in the journey. Yeah. It's that whole butterfly effect. Uh, you know, you, you try to do what you think is right at one point, but you, you know, there's always the downstream effects, um, you know, no matter what the time travel rules are, I think that was pretty hard and fast. Uh, there's always going to be consequences down the line. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the other things I always kind of liked about Dr. Who, especially like with the river song story arc, right. Was that these timelines are not necessarily parallel. They intersect in different ways. So just cause I'm in, in I'm going to meet you in my past. I've met you in my past, but that's your future. It hasn't happened for you yet. And things like that. Like, I like that idea that, people meet at different times in their timeline and characters interact. Cause I mean, you think about it, it's very true um, for normal people who aren't time where, you know, we're all time travelers and that we're all going forward. And, you know, you meet someone today and you encounter them in 20 years from now, and they're probably a very different person. Right. And, and you, but you both have that, that benefit of 20 years growth. Whereas, you know, in time travel story, well, one person, one character's had the benefit of years of growth and change and, you know, for the other, another character, maybe it's only been like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not only that, it's, it's just that experience you gain, you know, through, through living, you know, um, as well as seeing the evolution and the way things change on the outside world. So it's, it's looking at change within and it's looking at change without. And yeah, it makes, it makes a huge difference. It's all about perspective. I, I guess it kind of goes back to that thing where there's certain lessons in life you can tell people over and over but until they make that mistake themselves, they don't, you know, yeah. they, don't, they don't buy it. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about your, uh, your collaborators on, on the series, because this has really great art and, uh, and color work. And uh, it's a very beautiful book to look at. So uh, the artist that did like the first um, three quarters of the book is Sebastian Perez, um, who recently um, just got done with the monthly, um, uh, Disaster Incorporated, um, and he's doing a bunch of monthly stuff, and that's one of the reasons why he wasn't able to finish it because then all of a sudden, uh, you know, a very talented person finally got kind of noticed. Yeah. Got noticed, and that's that's fantastic, right? Um, and so, um, but yeah, he came and he did, you know, the bulk of like the character designs and things like that, and you know, most of, most of it, and 
And it, um, I did a lot of the coloring actually myself because I, I don't know, I kind of just enjoyed it. And um, and then when it was getting time to kind of finish it and, and Sebastian wasn't able to, to finish, um, I found this artist, her name is uh, DK Yankst. And um, she is a total rock star. She had just um, recently had graduated from uh, Savannah College of Art and Design in her master's program in comics. And I was very lucky to get uh, her to, on the book. And then she did a lot of the color work and stuff too. Then after, like she did nothing else, a lot of the flatting. And I just kind of came in and did some textures and other little effects and stuff on top of that. So that was also, when we were getting down to crunch time, a real time saver. Um, also, she's, I mean, so on godly talented both of these people so yeah it, I, I just got very lucky each time and and that was the thing um there was a previous kickstarter for this project um back when i had a different working title and like we kickstarted the funds to basically pay for the making of the artwork to pay for the artwork right that's this isn't um you know there's a lot of you know a lot of people are able to like collaborate in a way that like okay we can get paid on the back end things like that but you know, I, I wasn't able to do that. And so I'm like, well, if I'm, someone's going to work on my book, they have to get paid, right? Mm -hmm. Artists deserve to get paid. This is how well, people make livings. Uh, and so that was the first Kickstarter. And so that's why this, the second one is the book is done. Um, actually, we did a few tweaks after the uh, initial edition. Uh, you read the, the PDF of the initial edition, but like there's a new cover now. And uh, we, it was called Anachronism, which is or another way of saying anachronism, which is a time pun but because i i, I got to think about like the the target audience of this really is the same people the same kids who are reading like the reina telgemeier books or the babysitter club comics and all those really great comics now and like that's a really hard word to one say and two what is an anachronism right, right. that's it's <laughs> it's too clever for its own good for its own marketing so that's why we moved to future girl uh instead because everyone can understand she's a girl from the future um low bar to entry so, um, so yeah, there's some art tweaks and stuff then that's happened because of that. And so this Kickstarter is just to get those books to people and get in, in everything. Yeah. And again, it, it's perfect for all ages. There's, it's, you know, it's not super violent. There's no, you know, there's nothing that you couldn't give this to like a, you know, a six-year-old or seven-year-old and, and have them really enjoy it. I think they, they really would. I can't wait for my, my nine-year-old. I'm going to have her read it because I think she's going to love it. Um, but the other aspect about the art that uh, I think you got really lucky with, yeah, Sebastian's amazing. I follow his work um, at Aftershock. Um, but then when you brought in the the, the second artist, um, uh, Diane, I, I, you, when you're reading it, you don't notice. Like she did a great job of of really kind of continuing that style that Sebastian had brought to the the book. Was that was that challenging for her? Like when you you, you know when you approached her, did you say, hey, you know I this is what it's looked like. Can you do something similar? Like, like talk to us about like her being able to keep the the same style. So we, I mean, right. That's, that's, a, that was a very much a concern because it's a graphic novel. If this was a series of, you know, like with the floppies and everything like that, less of a concern, but because it's one piece that people are going to hold, I didn't want to have that jarring moment. Right. So when, uh, you know, when it was time to, you know, find another person to work on this, that was right there, like in my, in my ads and my help wanted ads, like here's the style. I need a moderately well done match. It has to, you know, it has to flow story-wise. Otherwise it's all going to fall apart. And she had, I would say some of the hardest stuff to draw. You know, Sebastian got to do like the fun, like robots and aliens and planets and stuff, you know, and, but she had to do kind of like the expositiony, this, the part where, you know, the, the, 
you know, the climax and everything, especially with time travel, making sure that there's this clarity of understanding that the rules that are breaking, here's how they're breaking. They weren't, they aren't actually breaking. And, and so she had, I think the harder part of that whole uh, task, not just in matching that style, but because it's time travel story also is very important to have that match with the time loop so that when you're seeing scenes from a different perspective, it, it wouldn't be jarring as well. Right. Cause there, there are times that there are things she drew that were variations and versions of what Sebastian had drawn uh, earlier in the book. And so, yeah, to have uh, someone that talented, <laughs> I was really lucky. And, um, and then she did the new cover as well now. And, um, you know, she's, uh, she's someone I definitely want to work with. And, if, you know, we've talked like, you know, the day will come, we'll probably find another project to do together. Like I would like to do more future girl books. Uh, this one of, you know, be subtitled An Anachronism. Next one would be Anomaly or Anomaly. And then the third one I have in my head would be Anarchy or Anarchy. You know, gotcha. bad puns, but <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping that, you know, we can keep working on these. Yeah. And uh, so just to let everybody know, the Kickstarter runs until July 14th. You have until uh, 9.37 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, obviously, there's a link in the show notes, as always, to go and, uh, and click there and check out the project. Uh, so there's, there's plenty of time. And uh, I will remind everybody, as I always do, even if you think this is not for you, even if uh, you want to join the campaign, but you just don't have the funds right now, the best thing you can do to help out uh, Patrick and his uh, collaborators is share it on social media so we get as many eyes on this thing as possible. So anybody that does want to join the campaign gets a chance to, uh, gets a chance to go and check it out and, and back it. Because I always remind everybody there's nothing worse than going and discovering a campaign that ended two days previous and you didn't, you just didn't know about it and you would have loved to have been uh, involved in it. So uh, what are some of the, the tiers and the rewards that you're offering Patrick? Sure. Well, I mean, um, I always, I try to keep things moderately simple. I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, I, you know, I'll, I always start with like the, the PDF, you know, so people can just get the, the thing, the, the actual thing the book and I that is usually half the cost of the physical book because I don't have to ship anything and that basically then covers I mean the whole the whole goal of this is to cover printing costs so if people buy the pdf this covers costs of printing you know uh, you know kind of like they get something they don't want to you know if you're like me I, I read a lot of things digitally these days because it's hard to store stuff yeah. <laughs> right um so there's that and then there's the paperback um which is um like the same size as like the Raina Telgemeier books. Uh, it's like, I think it's like five and a half by eight, somewhere in that, you know, that, that safe size. And that's $12. Um, and then I am, I am going to include, I, um, since I have all the print files and everything for the last, the, the, the original Kickstarter special edition of Anachronism, people can order that version too. And that's a standard American comic book size. That's 20. And then uh, since I did have so many people, you know, kind of pay to have this work done and got a copy last time. Um, this time I also have some shirts and, um, and then also uh, Diane Yanks has been kind enough to, uh, to volunteer for some doing some commissions and she'll be doing some sketching and books and stuff too. So uh, our, our maximum like reward tier is $150. So it's, and, and, you know, um, I'm not, I'm one of those people like, this is, you know, it's a $2,500 goal um, basically to get the enough books printed to be able to, you know, get to shows and things like that. And yeah, right now we're on pace for overtime. If we, if we continue along this pace, we'll hit, we'll hit the goal. 
I've never thought about, I haven't, I haven't really put a lot of thought into stretch goals yet, but things I would probably do would be like, you know, maybe a hardcover edition or something like that. Just to, you know, something, just kind of keep it in there uh, the same stuff. Cause really it's, it's just about the story in the book. Um, but if people have something they want to request, I don't mind that either. <laughs> yeah. I, it is a relatively uh, simple number of, of rewards and tiers. And, and but that's what, what, I love about it because the, in a way, this is a very, I don't want to say it's a simple story because it's not at all. It's uh, but it's a very, it's a very clean story. You know, this is, a, this is all ages with, with clean art and uh, it, it's very understandable, you know, uh, very accessible. And you've, and you've kind of, the campaign sort of reflects that as well. You can get the book, you can get a t-shirt, you can get a sketch from, from Diane DK, uh, which is amazing. Um, and, and like you said, the focus is not on, hey, let's do some stickers or flashy bookmarks or you know, it's no, the focus is on, hey, this is a really cool story, something that would make a great bedtime story, you know, something you can share with your kids if you're encouraging them to read and whatnot. And uh, it's definitely worth your time, everybody. So uh, as we're winding up here, Patrick, is there anything else that you want to let uh, let our listeners know about? Um, well, I. Let me think here for a second. Well, I guess we think we've covered most of it, but I do want to, again, say like, this is a good gift. Um, you know, and, and it's, I, we keep talking about the younger readers, but they are, I mean, there's a reason why Raina Telgemeier is the number one selling graphic novelist in, in the country. Right. I mean, and, and so if you know someone that's a fan of, of smile or guts or any of the babysitter club books, and maybe you're trying to kind of get them into the sci-fi stuff too, uh, not just, you know, and I think, I think we kind of, in, we haven't come out and said young girls, right? I mean, but there definitely is something here for young girls, but you know, kids, younger kids, um, tween plus is kind of what I, what I say, you know, it's a good gateway drug into, um, you know, we don't usually use the word good gateway drug in the same <laughs> sentence, but it, it's a, my, you know, it's, I, I always think this would have a, a great lifespan, like in libraries and things like that. You know, I have, I have daughters, they like it. I have lots of nieces and nephews. They were reading it um, and, and they all enjoyed it. So it's, it's good for that. But I don't also don't want people to think that it's just there for kids because um, I think there's enough science fiction-y ideas and everything that while it's accessible to kids and maybe it's kind of like bone, right? Where we can all read bone and we can all enjoy bone and we can enjoy it when we read it at different ages because we all find something that appeals to that age group about uh, what we're reading. So I think, I think there's things in there for, for adults too. I, I try to, um, I had someone say to me, you've got a lot of ideas in here. Right. <laughs> 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 there's, it's like, you know, I, I could have just picked, you know, like maybe, maybe you could have picked a few fewer ideas. And it's like, like there's a, there's a planet where I, their entire society is based on uh, standing in line, for instance. Right. Like yeah, that's, that was a lot of like, that's a huge idea. I mean, right. But um, so I, there's things for everyone. I, I think, in this book it is all things to all people <laughs> yeah i know i i agree 100 percent. there are i mean there are plenty of adult ideas you know j just the whole thing about what we were talking about before about the relatability of just wanting to live you know um and there's stuff with the heat de death of the universe that's certainly a very big adult idea uh so yeah there's it, it definitely it's not a young reader story it's definitely an all-ages story and i encourage everybody to go and uh go and check it out so again uh, link in the show notes, everybody. You can go there, click, and uh, and check out the campaign. As I as I mentioned, even if it's not for you, please just share it on social media. Uh, and if anybody wants to follow uh, follow you on social media, Patrick, so they know when you have uh, new projects and whatnot coming out, where's the best place uh, to find you online? 
Um, I am at Marvelous Patrick and there, uh, on all the things. There's no K in Patrick, just like there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, and I'll put a link to Patrick's social media in the show notes as well, everybody, so you can go click there and find him. So uh, once again, we want to thank everybody for joining us as always. Really hope you go and check out the campaign for Future Girl. I think it's definitely worth uh, your time. So uh, thank you, Patrick, for, for joining me. Thank you, listeners, for joining me and for listening in as always. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.